As another year of Exploration Radio draws to a close, it is time to look back on some of the valuable nuggets of industry wisdom our guests have unearthed for us. At the end of each episode, we ask our guests two questions. What is something that must die in our industry? And what is something that must live? That something can be a concept, an idea, a business practice, a mindset, anything. The answers have been many and varied, and they are always a valuable insight into our guests, their approach to life and business. This is part six of our Ideas That Must series. I'm your host, Ahmad. Come join us and let's explore. So we always end our interview with two questions. So the first one is, what is something, it could be an idea, a concept, a behavior that you think needs to die in mining, something that we need to get rid of in our industry? Oh, the boom and bust cycle. Good one. I mean, what else? If, if you're in growing wheat or uh, you're in farming, you have droughts, but you don't have boom and bust cycles where it costs a for where everybody goes out and grows wheat this year and, and, and therefore it lowers the price and then they all go out of business so the price goes up again and the expertise is lost and all of these things. Mm-hmm. There must be a way of getting around this, the sort of thing I've talked about before, mm-hmm. and adoption by that type of process that CRA had would, would help towards that. Then it allows you to, to even out and to have better operations. And Yeah. Have you seen the effect of that in your business from when you run tours? Like I'm assuming you can't really run a tour like this during a bust cycle. I, I doubt you'll get very many people signing up. It depends. Uh, I mean, my tours to a certain degree are based on on what's hot at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done three nickel tours, two nickel tours, and they have been at times of high nickel price and everybody's mm-hmm. looking for nickel. Yep. The same with iron. I've done iron in the years when everybody wanted to find iron. Mm-hmm. So I can use the cycle. I have to use the cycle then as uh, if, if there's a year when nickel price is very depressed, well, I'm not going to get somebody coming to look for nickel. Yep. Yep. That has an effect, but really the thing is that copper and gold are king. They're the things yep. that you can always get somebody to come on. Yeah. yeah okay. And so the last question, so conversely, what is something that you think uh, we should maintain at all costs, something that is fundamental to our DNA that we should never forget? Oh, well, in terms of exploration, it's looking at the rocks. Now, because of my background in data and in, in electronics and, and, you know, in IT and the like, I, I have been very strong on uh, using data and mining data and, uh, and interpreting it. But you still have to look at the rocks. You have to know what that data actually means. You know, it's like if you're looking for porphyry coppers, you can have lots of deposits that have the right alteration and they have the right geochemical anomaly, but they don't have enough copper in them. Whereas others will have, uh, have plenty. You've got plenty of these deposits around the moment that people are flogging with 0.3% copper in and even mining it through 0.3% copper. But none of that beats 1% copper at Grassberg or Oya Tolgoy with all that gold in it. So you've still got to appreciate what's going on. You still have to keep getting new data and you have to know the context of your data. And I think that's probably a pretty good spot to end on. Thanks a lot for joining us, Mike. This is great. Oh, thanks for the opportunity. Cheers. So, Evren, uh, we're getting close to the end of our kind of interview mm-hmm. now. Um, so we always ask, I guess, two questions right at the end. Yeah. Uh, so the first one is, uh, what is something that you think needs to die in in our industry? 
Uh, now you can make it as a mining industry or even just uh, like, you know, something that you're involved in kind of the software development or the open source kind of industry. So what is an idea or concept of behavior that needs to die, something that we need to get rid of? Uh, well, I'd say one thing that really needs to uh, go away is decision making when it comes, well, I mean, it's going to be about uh, you know about uh, software uh, software procurement. Obviously, it's misusing software for only a fraction of what it is meant to do. So having lots of users be only using five percent of the capabilities of of a software that drives up you know uh, 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 costs. Uh, uh, trem tremendously and prevents innovation essentially but uh, so that's one thing that really in my mind uh, uh, really in my mind needs to go now this is i think there's many more important things but from my point of view where i'm standing that's mm -hmm. the one thing i think it's a good that one. i can see is that when you have people using full-fledged uh geological modeling packages they can do resource estimation they can do geophysical inversion they can do you know the whole bunch of, of things and all that they're doing is uh plotting points a, a point cloud in 3d and that's you just think what what's going on here why is that why do you have to put up with all that that, that clunky mess uh yeah, when yeah. the software but just a, such a specific or small use case exactly yeah, that is something that you can see all all across uh, uh the industry is uh not having properly scoped out the you the needs and just going for the one like one size fits all kind of logic and i'm just gonna give them the tool that does everything but all that you're doing really is you're being played uh, uh when when you're doing that i think that's a good point i think that's an excellent one i mean so conversely last and last question um what is something that you think needs to uh be maintained uh in the industry like yeah something that we can't live without that's fundamental to our kind of dna i think uh that what the industry needs most is to put off your put off the blinkers not be stuck into only what happens in our industry the mining industry is fairly uh is fairly walled in let's call it that fairly fairly sheltered you need the especially decision makers and even if you're not a decision maker you are just a geologist you're logging core or you are you know sitting next to a drill all day long and you've got some ideas and you found some things out there that could serve your needs better try to you know push it um and if you're a decision maker don't you know uh silence these voices they're not being negative they actually are positive voices that are trying to improve things for 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 your company and i think the mining industry tends to be kind of uh uh, uh stuck in a certain way of uh, of doing things and when it comes to uh it's not only software uh software tools really but when it comes to uh, uh, to 
keeping your maintaining your competitive uh, advantage in a in a game where it's all about the efficiency. I mean, the you know you want to you make money with a mind by being efficient. You know by you know you 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 try to decrease your operating costs as much as possible to get as much value of mm -hmm. what you can actually uh, produce. So you that's what needs to be done. And uh, the general let's say the don't turn this into some kind of uh, generational conflict is that uh, a younger geo coming up and making you know this kind of proposal is not challenging anybody's authority that's not what they're trying to do it's just they probably noticed there was something they could do aside fast that this should be you know uh, uh, valued whether it's open whether it's software and it turns out the more efficient thing is you know open source or not that's an important it's irrelevant. It's 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 more uh, about that. The mining industry tends to be very slow, and you can see some practices that really are half a century uh, 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 old, and mm -hmm. they're still in this. And they haven't really developed beyond that that point. In all yeah, I mean, one example has nothing to do with software. For example, is having electric electric uh, uh, trucks go. You know, when you are in uh, electric gear in general, uh, electric powered. Uh, uh, you know, equipment that is going to be used uh, in underground mining mine sites it just solves a lot of the, uh, you know, ventilation issue and you, you increase safety a lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this was fairly obvious. And in my mind, it's just starting on some pilot sites, starting to be a thing. In all honesty, it should have been done at 20. 30 years ago, honestly, we could have done it not mm -hmm. with batteries because it's just a cable. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be on a battery at the end of the day. It could be, a, you know, you could just have some electrical wiring going down there and then you have a much more, and then you have your own power plant on site, it, it, you know, and, and by doing this, you, you, you're improving safety and uh, you also are decrease, you're decreasing, uh, you're decreasing costs by, by doing so. And the only reason why it was not, you know, there's, there's technical hurdles, but it is fair to say it took a while because of habits. And I think habits uh, needs to be checked constantly. And a habit should not be misconstrued into a procedure. A habit should not become a procedure without a proper review of why it should be one. And even if you have procedures and ways of doing things, you should review them on a regular basis to make sure you're still up to scratch. And, 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 and that is what needs to be uh to 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 be encouraged i think that's a great point to end on all right thanks for joining us everyone well, this was great thank you very much ahmed for uh taking the time to uh you know have me uh kind of ramble on open source for that's an a, afternoon that, that's all right we'll we'll cut all your ramblings down oh. and edit them in uh, post-production so it's fine it's all it's all good all right but no, I, I think i think it's good yeah like i, I think it's interesting um and i kind of made this point before i think we we formally started recording yeah like one of the reasons why i kind of like what you guys are doing is that i think it's a different way to solve uh, a problem uh, or a frustration a lot of people in the industry have and and i think yeah, like to, to your last point, um, you know, we should be encouraging a lot more of this kind of kind of thinking, or at least, you know, like irrespective of whether Auslandia or you personally end up being successful in this endeavor, I think the fact that you're giving it a shot and trying to bring uh these solutions to the industry, I I, I think is a good thing because I think it's it's kind of expanding our 
like our knowledge base to, to see that there are different ways to kind of do this. We don't have to be stuck in this kind of, yeah, you know, like we talked a lot about software, you know, we don't necessarily have to be stuck in this kind of one, like, you know, simplified, you know, non uh, optimized kind of outcome. You know, we can, we can't test the boundaries to see how, how we kind of do it. You know, maybe, maybe the best solution for software and mining will actually come from outside the mining industry. It might come from somewhere completely different, right? Uh, yeah, but, but we should be a little bit more open-minded and kind of test these things. And and I think, yeah, like to your point, I think one last thing I'll kind of add to it is that I think in the industry, you know, we're sometimes um, uh, a little bit afraid of the fact that these efforts might uh, result with nothing, you know, like it might end up in a failure or, or a null outcome. And I reckon, you know, stuff it. Like, I think, yeah, like we, nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? So we should try these things to see whether they actually end up into a better world. And if, and if they do, great. And if they don't, uh, then, you know, like we'll learn something out of it. I can't remember the name of the movie director who said that, you know, um, do something. Yeah. If it's good, we'll use it. If it's bad, we'll fix it, but do something. Yep, yeah. And I think that's kind of the, the idea is like, let's just try it and then see how, how it improves or, or, or where do we get to at the end? You're right. And when it comes to uh, open source, you have a double incentive to do so because it is open. If you finance proprietary software development, which happens sometimes, you know, a company is going to finance this startup to develop this. And in the end, they finance the startup and then the startup sells them licenses like you're paying twice what was already supposed to be yours, but whatever. And I don't know. I'm not the one who signs off these deals. But what happens is that in open source, even if it didn't pan out, the code is out there. It's not like right. it can yeah. just collapse with a company. And if nobody buys up that IP, it's gone forever. It's, that's one of the major points is that you, even if it doesn't, everything, you know, even if it doesn't work out, there's this uh, a guarantee that whatever it is that was produced is there for all. Uh, uh, for all to see and you are able to react early on with open source because you can see it being developed over time it's not behind closed doors and all that you ever get to see is uh, a bunch of demos from time to time that are of course engineered to look good and then at the end of the day you realize the whole thing was a mess open source is open from the start so you are able to just run it on your own machine very quickly and even though it's unfinished and obviously some things are broken you know as long as you understand the concept of an alpha so this is an advantage that you have in, in, in open source is a clear box development. You can see what's happening because we don't, ha we don't need to hide it uh, because it's, it doesn't make, uh, well, we just don't do that. It's open source. It's not something that we worry about. Uh, and another point is that when you consider security, as it is something, and uh, be my last point is uh, often you have this concept of a, uh, Oh, the problem of security in open source. Is there some flaw, security flaw in open source software? Well, first, as we mentioned, the, the overwhelming majority of... I'm not, I'm not, software, I'm not sure proprietary software is as, as secure as people think so it is. First, uh, let, let, let's, let's be nice. Let's start with the point that, oh, yes, open source is uh, inherently less safe, let's say. Well, mm -hmm. the truth is that now the overwhelming majority of proprietary code relies on open source technology so you know it's kind yeah, of irrelevant yeah, just... but let's say so it's yeah. even if it was true it doesn't make sense but actually it's not true because there's the last point is a scrutiny you have scrutiny to open source software and there's a good reason why all cryptographic algorithms are open source 
would you trust me if I told you, oh, I have a way to encrypt your data such that, you know, uh, nobody can intercept any communications you have with another person. Uh, it's, we're using our smart uh, proprietary secret algorithm. No, you don't trust me at all. Uh, 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 you're going to tell me, no, 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 I, I want to know. I want GP, yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, the, the, the price of your services before you encrypt it will be $1 and after you encrypt it will be $1,000 because now like, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, that would be a pretty good business model. Yeah, well, <laughs> that sounds like racketeering, honestly, at this point. But, <laughs> that's but basically, you know, you get into this, uh, uh, this situation where you, when you describe any safety critical uh, uh, software it has it is open source because it has to be open to the scrutiny of uh, security researchers and things people think oh right you're going to have a, a proprietary code so people can see the code so people can find the you know the issue no of, of, of course they can because there's no review basically I mean the review is is too limited in scope you don't have you're basically putting hurdles to uh, the security researchers to actually inform you of the issues that you have in your code, but you're certainly not placing hurdles on hackers who are not trying to understand the flaws definitely and provide remediation for them, which is much takes a lot longer. They're just trying to brute force, and by brute force, I'm not saying that they're going to brute force as a brute force attack, but I, what I mean is they're going to try hundreds and hundreds of known flaws they're gonna just go for them until they find the one that is uh, right for them or they'll decompile yeah, your code yeah, if yeah, it has a weakness or something like that that's how I'm... so it's 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 a it's it's a it's a mood point as a matter of fact and uh, we know it because uh, basically nobody trusts a security software that is uh, that is uh, uh, i mean security protocols secure protocols have to be open source nobody will trust them otherwise it's uh, it's just we have to trust this one random company. No, <laughs> no, 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 exactly. Um, well, I, I think we we gotta let you go, Everin. But thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, this was great. It was great to chat to you about the the, the work that you guys are doing at Auslandia and your passion for open source. It was great. Well, thank you very much. I was happy to share. And uh, of course, if uh, people want to get involved in uh, some of our projects, they can, you know. Uh, reach out to us either by mailing me directly, you know, so everyone at Auslandia, uh, uh, dot com, or if they're interested in OpenLog, all you got to do is type OpenLog Auslandia on your search engine. And uh, then you'll, you know, you'll, uh, you'll be able to uh, get to the landing page uh, uh, to the project. Feel free to try it. Uh, if you try it, we'd like, you know, we appreciate feedback. And uh, even and if there's bugs, tell tell. Oh us yeah, tell us. It. Don't just you know don't don't you know don't just mourn at the screen. Just actually tell us about it, and uh, you know share the good word. Even if you can't, even if you are not able to contribute or you don't have the authority to get you know your company, your organization to contribute, share the good word, show it to others. That's how open source thrives. It 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 thrives mainly. We don't have you know large marketing budgets. We try to put as much as we can of the uh, as much as we can into actual development work. So what we do is that we mostly rely on the fact that open source can spread freely. So you know help us spread it, even if you're not able to uh, uh, to participate. If you think it has value for you, or you think it might have value for somebody else. You know, let them know. They'll appreciate it. We'll appreciate it. And we'll be, you know, everybody's better off uh, uh, at the end. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you next time, uh, Ahmed. I suppose maybe in, at IMARC. 
Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, you and I have a habit of running into each other yeah. at major conferences. So I'm sure I'll, I'll I'll look out for you at the next one that I attend. All right. Yeah, you, you'll be and we always seem to run into each other at some aisle as we are walking uh, in opposite directions. Uh, let's see if we can keep that streak up. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when it comes to iMark, we'll be uh, we have a booth at iMark, so you'll mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I think you'll it will be the only booth where there is a QGIS logo, so it's not going to be all that difficult, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to to figure it yeah. out. So, uh, but I'm but now there we go. Any any of our listeners that are at iMark, uh, yeah, you can obviously go and have a chat to everyone at the booth. Mm-hmm. Um, just look for the logo. Yeah, exactly. It'll be that that big green QGIS uh, logo. It's Booth B26. Uh, normally, it's the collab Anglo American sponsored collab arena at the uh, on the trade show. That's where we. Uh, that's where we. Uh, we at and we can. Jeez, you have a lot more details than I thought you were going to have. So well done. Oh, it's just I was in the process of you know filling all these boring forms for the conference. You know about you know insurance ah, okay. and, and you know who's in charge. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah you know <laughs> who the blame should be pinned on in case something goes wrong and uh, i think to tell them that That's there won't fine. be any naked flames on the booth or something like that i don't know what people do and why they have to ask these questions but whatever wow maybe, maybe you should have a yeah that that would make your boot stand out i'm pretty but, sure uh, that, i'm pretty sure that people try to have barbecues on the trade show and it's australian conference after all so you'll have the barbie at some point <laughs> It doesn't really matter if you barbecue what's on the grill or barbecue the booth next to you. Yeah, as long as it, uh, as long as there's a fire there, but we're happy for sure. For sure, it happens. And I mean, they, they, you know, only in Australia you see people just like so many people just handing over beers, 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 like at past three p.m. It's just giving away beers. <laughs> like that i'd never you don't see that in europe i just gotta tell you sorry we're a bit kind of a more tame but hey thanks again man thanks for joining us um hopefully you get some good feedback out of this hope so and uh well thank you ahmad thank you sean it's everyone cheers So we always ask our guests two questions towards the end so the first one is what is something that you think needs to die uh, in our industry, so normally we ask about mining, but but you can kind of broaden that a little bit to 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 your profession as well. So um, so what is an idea, a concept, a behavior that you think we need to jettison out of out of what we do? That's that's a really good question. Um, I think it would be this idea that you 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 don't that you just invest you sorry that you structure your investment on the basis of tax uh, you know i i find it really silly when you started an exploration program that you know is going to take years and years and years and the first thing you've done is ensure that you're in like the bvi or you know the channel islands you know what good is that going to do you until you actually have a producing asset but what it might do is stop you from being able to protect yourself in the event that things go potty. I also think that one of the things that needs to die is the idea that um, that illegal mining isn't different from artisanal mining. There are artisanal mining projects out there. But the scale of the illegal mining that I now see in certain countries is clearly backed by corporate backers. 
and it's large scale and it puts people's lives at risk and it doesn't lead to the development of a lot of these areas surrounding the minds. People are only in it for themselves. And there's a big difference between that and the sort of destruction it can wreak on a company, a company's, excuse me, a country's natural resources and communities than a couple of people panning for gold on the, on the periphery of a mining footprint. And when we confuse those two terms, we are painting what I view to be a considerable evil with something that people talk about when they buy a beer or cheese or bread in using this artisanal language. They are not the same thing. One is often outlawed by the state. Indeed, Uganda has introduced significant criminal penalties for those involved in illegal mining. And one is a sort of, exactly as it sounds, an art artisanal activity. But when thousands of people from outside of a, of, a, of a particular district have invaded a mine and are involved in highly centralized, organized, and, and fully financially accounted for work crews to develop resources that are then shipped somewhere else and abroad, and the government doesn't get any tax and the local government doesn't get the benefit of new roads, hospitals, or schools, that is a problem and should not be confused with the artisanal mining. So it's a part that really sort of hits the left of center in me. Um, and I don't like it when those expressions get confused. I think that's an excellent point, actually, because I think if you're talking about real, uh, like national resource destruction, you know, legal mining like not only destroys the resource but destroys everything else around it as well and and leaves nothing of value value behind arguably you know it probably does a poor job of extracting the most value out of the resource most of the time as well because you know like people are just in it for kind of the low-hanging fruit and, and they'll leave away with destruction afterwards so and, and if an ngo wants to get its back up about the use of cyanide Go look at the water bottles that are being carried around with cyanide in them so that people can use that at illegal mining sites. And, and these, we're talking about children now who do that. Some evils are greater than others, right? And no matter what people want to say about my clients, they're not leaving a path of environmental degradation the way that illegal miners do. And so last question, and so conversely, what is something that you think needs to be maintained in our industry? Uh, something that's fundamental to our DNA that we shouldn't forget? Optimism. You know, it, it's been said of, uh, of explorers that the, the world, of mineral explorers, are the world's great optimists. And people that, you know, mining engineers, I recently said, oh, uh, said something like um, foolish optimists when they're looking at, uh, you know, a feasibility study. Misguided, yeah, misguided, misguided yeah, optimism. Like, mis misguided optimism. But look, I, like I came back to with the example of my client Envirogold operating in, in uh, my former client Envirogold operating in the Dominican Republic. These are people that saw what was effectively a jungle site and said, well, this tailings dam is full of nasties, but there's also gold to get out. We can fix the nasties and we can get the gold out and we can build this project up over 15 years. And they were not daunted by that prospect. And, you know, we have a lot to do as a world if we want to meet 
certain environmental targets and certain minerals are going to be key to doing that. And if everyone sort of brought this, well, you're never going to do it anyway mentality to those challenges, we're going to be in deep, deep trouble. And one of the things that saddens me when I do these cases against states is so often their defense is one of causation. Well, you were never going to be able to mine this project in the first place, so we shouldn't be liable, no matter what we did as a state. Well, I think that that is a, that's a really cynical way to go through life. And one of the things that I love about the mining um, environment is when I meet one of these geo CEOs is seeing that flicker of optimism and hope and excitement about a resource in their eyes when they meet with me. And they're like, yeah, listen, Tim, I'm never going to need your services, but man, you should see this asset. I think we're in really good hands. These are people that are still sort of, you know, going where no man has gone before and they're, they're there and they want to deliver value for themselves, of course, but also for the countries in which they're operating. Again, I think it's an excellent point. Yeah, you know, that 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 kind of pioneering spirit. And yeah, and, 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 you know, like, and I often I kind of explain that. You know, like sometimes you know people say that they are, uh, you know, like the mining industry has a, a record where where a lot of these kind of endeavors went went badly. And yeah, you know, like, and I, I kind of explain it by saying that if you're doing something pioneering, you know, there are going to be some car crashes along the way as well because you know that that is kind of the nature of of, of pioneering. Yeah, you know, that there's certain yeah, you know, like if you if you look at kind of like your home country, you know the people that went uh, out west, you know, when the west opened up, you know, there there were huge levels of of, of car crashes and and yeah, and things that went wrong for a lot of people. And, and and I think this is kind of the modern day. This is an industry that has its probably a far greater share of these kind of uh, kind of problems that come up because you know, like most of the people are trying to do something new. And, and, and that means that there's always a risk that it could go pear-shaped somewhere along the way. Look, you know, there's the expression, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. I think one of the incredible things about the space mining finds itself in now is they're trying to break a lot less eggs. You know, there's a genuine concerted effort on the part of mining companies to continue to do something pioneering, but to do so in a way that respects local heritage, respects local law, respects the need to develop communities and respects the environment. And again, I came to mining as someone, I'm left-leaning. I don't, when I meet these clients and I get to know their operations and what they genuinely intended for the places they're operating in, I tend to find it more inspiring. I don't ever look at it and go, you know, that that my cynicism isn't engaged when I meet them. and my wife works in sustainability and she, you know, for ages, she'd be like, well, I helped to rebuild the world that, that Tim is trying to tear down. And I think with time, she's gotten to realize that, um, you know, the, the, the mining companies I work with, they have good intentions, right? And uh, they are trying to improve their conduct. That doesn't mean that they still aren't punished for the sins of their fathers. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, like, so I think there's like two things. One is that, uh, yeah, most people's perception of the mining industry is, I think, a few decades old. Yeah, like, I, I don't think what, what people are judging the industry, yeah, it's almost that kind of like colonial era kind of way of, of, of con- like countries, or oh, sorry, companies operated. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not sure that, like, I don't think there's any company that could operate like that and, and still survive as a, as a publicly listed company. Um, and I think so, yeah, so that's, I think, like, one 
kind of aspect that that, that uh, mining companies get hammered for. But the other aspect is that yeah, like uh, other um, other industries don't seem to have this kind of problem. Like you know, like we don't crucify the the fashion industry or or any of these other industries which have also had a hugely checkered past for a long, long time. Um, so yeah, so I think there's always this kind of like. Um, uh, you know, like uh, unequal kind of perception where on, on one side, you know, like you you you're utilizing an image on on the industry that is far outdated, uh, but then also not acknowledging that that you know there has been quite a lot of change over the last twenty years, anyways. So maybe cha- mining needs to be a bitter champion of itself, you know, in, in that regard. I, I'll finish with an anecdote. You know, I have a client, uh, and one of his other projects is a lithium project in Cornwall, England. And, you know, you asked me about surprises about seven months ago or so, I opened up the Guardian of all publications to see them absolutely praising and putting this project on a pedestal. And I rang them and I said, Richard, do you realize you got the Guardian to praise a mining project? And he said, yeah, but we need lithium. And Cornwall needs development investment. It's the perfect marriage. And so we need a bit more of Richards out there to sort of say, you know, we're not all bad guys and what we're doing is good and helpful towards the energy transition. I think that's a pretty good spot to end on. Thanks a lot for joining us, Tim. This is great. Thank you so much for having me, Ahmed. I really appreciate it. Cheers, man. So, Sean, towards the end of our interview, we kind of always ask our guests two questions. Uh, so the first one is, uh, what is something, it could be an idea, a behavior uh, that you think needs to die in our industry, something that we need to jettison out of the industry? I actually think it's something we touched on in our calls and I put it on different layers and that's this sort of bunker silo mentality at times. You know, I th- a lot of the companies I've gotten into, I won't mention the names, but things we've taken over or we've helped restructure, um, I've been pleasantly surprised, well, actually not pleasant, it's, it's not been pleasant, like this idea that even within corporate offices, you've got these bureaucracies or hierarchies that you know create these silos around different functions. There's this strong functional concentration. And I think part of the secret source of Extrada and the business that I've really built here is around trying to actually provide people with a broader scope to be able to actually maybe step away from their narrow job descriptions, uh, to actually think on a more holistic level, to work together, and uh, I just think it lends itself to better engagement, better uh, decision making at the end of the day, better decisions. So we've seen that within mining companies. And I think going back to what we just discussed, I think as a sector, there is, I don't think we we don't sustain the investment uh, in people and in innovation that's needed to solve the problems for declining grades and greater complexity and environmental challenges. I think the future is probably going to come from experience and knowledge in the sector with disruptors like we saw with the aerospace uh, thing going back to earlier points like uh, nasa the russians whatever couldn't land a rocket you know on a on a little pad and do the stuff that you know ultimately must did as a risk taker who embraced failure uh, but got people together to do that and to essentially change the cost structure in industry by an order of magnitude i think it's going to probably be something like that that will be needed from a more solid lens to actually out of necessity, out of need, that will probably disrupt our sector at some point. So anyway, I think the more we can break down those silos uh, at a site level, at a corporate level, and as a um, 
as a sector, I think the better better it'll be for all of us and the easier it'll be to attract talent. I think that's an excellent point. Conversely, and last question, uh, what is something that you think we need to maintain in our industry? You know, something that you think is kind of fundamental to our DNA that we shouldn't forget? I think that that sense of, um, of, of just problem-solving adventure and sort of that can-do attitude, because you think about it, as much as I've just sort of shared the thing I think shouldn't go, but it's never ceased to amaze me um, the incredible level of dedication and capability when you go to mine sites on the top of the Andes, up in the, the subarctic, some pretty hostile environments, uh, the deserts in Australia and elsewhere, and the ability of people to um, really with a high level of goodwill. I think most businesses want to uh, you know, work with their, their, their local communities, do the right thing in order to overcome really quite difficult problems at times to uh, to extract these minerals and i think there's that it's a, you know they can do attitude and their capability that exists not just in one region but all over the place i think is something we we, we need to do more to harness uh, and tell that story and create a viral opportunity hopefully for the space yeah this is a theme that often comes up on on our interviews around that, you know, if you think about an industry that would have a high proportion of people that are intrinsically motivated to do the work, you know, like, yeah, like our industry, like I assume would, would probably be at the at the top end of that kind of, uh, like, you know, the number of people that are in, intrinsically different. Like, you know, you don't hear of like, you know, like, uh, like accountants, like, yeah, our friends that are accountants and they go, mate, like, yeah, I go to work, I, I walk away and yeah, that's it. Like, I don't sit there dreaming about, you know, spreadsheets or uh, things like that at the end of the day. Like, yeah, that, that's, they're not, they the job is not something like that's intrinsically motivating for them. But yeah, but if you're talking about people that, uh, yeah, like are going to kind of the Andes or going to, yeah, like e- even your thing, like, you know, going to Colombia, going to all of these, there's got to be some kind of fire inside people that, that, that kind of drives them to go to all of these places. Yeah. Like, and I think that's something that, you know, probably the industry doesn't, doesn't highlight uh, a lot of is that, you know, that, like in order to be that crazy person that goes and builds a mine on the on the mountaintop, you know, you got to be a little bit crazy, like that pioneering kind of spirit to go, yeah, like yeah, like why not build a mine at four thousand meters or whatever we need to do, right? Why why wouldn't you want to live an interesting life, right? Oh, that's an excellent story. That's it, Sean. We're pretty much at the end of our interview. Um, thanks a lot for coming on the show. This is a great chat. I, I really I, th- I love the way you uh, you took the conversation in natural directions. It was that was great. Cheers. This episode was brought to you by Amart Salim and Steve Beresford, produced and edited by Sean Jeffrey, and made possible by the contributions of our many guests. It is their time and energy that really makes this podcast possible. And also, thanks to our listeners. Again, there wouldn't be a podcast if there wasn't anyone listening to it. Happy holidays and stay safe. Expression Radio is made possible by the support of the AIG, the One to One Group and the ASA. And we are an official media partner of the 2023 PDAC Conference. Until next time, Let's keep exploring.